Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. You know, one of the things about Eric was you always felt like he carried himself the right way when he was here with the team. And to see the letter that he put out with the Players' Tribune was just amazing. There's going to be a piece of Minnesota that's still with him and still a part of his family. And so there was an instant rapport or relatability for the most part. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't best friends with everybody just right. walked in the room. But let's be honest, I mean, they're looking at me, they're like, oh, wow, here's somebody that looks like me. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, a weekly all-encompassing show that we like to do here in the Vikings Entertainment Network. I'm Tatum Everett. Jay Nelson is here. Hello. How's it going? You had a good weekend? Yeah, it was a great weekend. Just kind of hung out with some friends, watching a whole lot of sports between basketball and hockey and UFC and everything else. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it is that time of year, I feel like everything is starting, coming to playoffs, you know, it's March Madness, right? Everything's yeah. kind of crazy. It's that shift from the winter sports yeah. finishing to the spring sports beginning. And March Madness is always such a huge deal. It's awesome. And this year, I think with the crazy parody that's happened oh within gosh, the bracket, it's right? just unbelievable. I mean, so, who has a good bracket right now? Nobody. Nobody. And that was the thing. Like, even after that first weekend, they basically said the odds of uh, going through and, and having a perfect bracket at that point was something that was the equivalent to pick a grain of sand off of a beach <laughs> and then drop it and have somebody pick up the exact same grain of sand. Like the entire bracket structure was completely blown out that first weekend. And it's just been fun to watch all these not necessarily blue blood teams that have gotten in there. And I know blue blood franchises yeah. and, and, and teams love to, to have that. And I'm sure it's going to be really interesting to see what the support is in Houston because they are some of these smaller, lesser programs typically. Oh, I didn't think about that, yeah. But um, it is exciting to see. Groups like Florida Atlantic and Miami and uh, San Diego State and some of these other schools, including UConn, that don't necessarily get this kind of a Final Four shot. And it's been fun to watch this this whole tournament. I feel like they would have to travel, right? Like your yeah, once-in-a-lifetime thing, like this may never happen again. Oh, you know, for sure. But it's the whole thing of your Carolinas, your Dukes, all of these huge oh, programs. Sure. If Texas had made it through, oh, yeah. the, the idea of they have such a huge fan base, fan base everywhere. that they're going to yeah. travel from all over the country to go to it, yeah. especially in a place like Houston. I'm sure Texas would have been massive. But I like the idea of having these smaller schools getting in there and doing this because, like you said, it could be a thing where those franchise, you know, those uh, alumni turn around and say, we might never get here again. Yeah, We're going to Houston to go to this game. It's, I've it'd be already, a lot of fun. I have already talked about it if my college gets into the College World Series. I'm like, I'm driving to Omaha. Sure. I don't care. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? It's the coolest experience. Like to go to those kind of sporting events is just so much fun. And it's a lot closer now than it used to be for you being down in Louisiana. It is, although I have made that drive a couple of times to go to the College World Series. I have been before, like three times. You're a diehard. I am a diehard. And I love, well, it was was for work, but you know, it was also for fun. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, we obviously talk a lot about the Vikings on here, but it has been kind of crazy. Minnesota sports, college sports. You've got the Frozen Four coming up, which yep. is exciting for all those Gopher fans out there. Gophers versus Boston. That's going to be, that's the old grudge match that goes all the way back to the legendary 80s Olympic teams and stuff. You know, yeah. prior to that, the, the whole thing from the movie Miracle where the Boston and Minnesota guys couldn't get along until Herb Brooks <laughs> kicked all their butts and said, you're yeah. going to be teammates. Um, that kind of uh, stuff is fun. Yeah. So it'll be great to see Minnesota versus Boston in that first round of Frozen Four. For sure. Well, Over here in Vikings World this week, there have been a couple of transactions. 
We saw that CJ Ham is returning. He was entering the final year of his deal, and now he's a two-year extension. And it really, I felt like that one popped out of nowhere. Not like in a bad way, just like we weren't really expecting any news on that front. And then here we go, the hammer back in Minnesota for another two seasons. He was a guy at the end of the season, people were saying, you know, what's going to happen with him? They weren't quite sure. I think it's great to have a guy like CJ. He's a great locker room guy. Really good guy in special teams as a leader, and he's he's he and Adam were the same deal where it was they got on the team and earned their spot. And I think CJ has shown over the last few years, especially that his game hasn't fallen off at all. And when he's in the game, he is a difference maker. Even think about like last year, you know, catching passes in the flat and yeah. kind of hitting those those dirty first downs just to get move the sticks and, and keep the game going. CJ is a great guy. It, it was awesome to see he and his family together celebrating uh, signing that contract. That was great. I love that photo. But I think also, too, I don't know if Minnesota could have handled both of their, like, walk-on turned major players just, like, not be on the roster anymore. I, I think it's great to have them. I, I, I know it's— <laughs> I'm are, happy for Adam. Yeah, for we, sure. We are the provincial people. You know, we love our own. and, yeah. and uh, But it's something that having a—you know, being able to keep CJ, if you do lose Adam, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are— Happy to see, you know, homegrown guy from Duluth be able to do something like that. There are a couple of moves uh, with former players now on different teams. Irv Smith Jr. signed with the Bengals. Sounded like it was between the Bengals and Miami for him. He chose Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, some adopted and current guys from his former city of New Orleans. Yeah, some some buddies from LSU. Some buddies from LSU, even though someone asked me, like, oh, didn't he go to LSU? And I was like, false, Alabama, uh-huh. traitor. Just kidding. Uh, and then Duke Shelley to the Raiders. I tell you that one. That one was tough. I even even my my fiance even was like, "What? Where's Duke going? <laughs> yeah. He was like the best player." It's fun that you know. Think about it with Duke just how much he grew this last season. Ugh, I know. And I think it's awesome that he's getting his shot there in in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I think he's another guy that you feel like he's just kind of scratched the surface of what mm-hmm. his career can be. So yeah, it was tough to see him go, but at the same point, you got to be happy for a guy happy like him, him to yeah. sign that kind of a deal over there in Las Vegas. And we already know, we've already talked about this on here, it was a tough goodbye to Eric Kendricks. That one was really difficult. Obviously, though, the, the good thing to do, you release him so that you can, so he's allowed to go out and search for a new team to be on. He ends up back home in California, in Los Angeles with the Chargers, really couldn't be a better fit personally for him. And just this past week, he released a letter that he wrote to the state of Minnesota on the Players' Tribune. You can go check that out online. Jay, did you have a chance to read what Eric wrote? Absolutely. And it was nothing but class, the entire thing. Um, You know, one of the things about Eric was you always felt like he carried himself the right way when he was here with the team. And to see the letter that he put out with the Players' Tribune was just amazing. Um, You know, it really did kind of hammer home kind of his feelings, at at least, um, you know, leaving the state and getting to go back home, you know, even addressed it saying, be able to, you know, uh, raise his son in, in, in California. Um, but at the same point, there's going to be a piece of Minnesota that's still with him and still a part of his family. And, and um, you know, you just look at what he was talking about in there from Greenway's yeah, mentorship. That was, cool. that was amazing. And, and that's something that, you know, really stuck out to me too, because you talk about Chad being a stand-up guy when he was in the locker room and why he was seen as a leader and having Eric tell the story about, you know, instead of Chad being one of the veterans, it's kind of like, I don't need to help you. That's not my job. He flipped it and said, you know, I'm going to train for you to be able to take over my role on this team. And and I just think that this between that and then him talking about all the connections he had in the local market between All Square and some of the other groups that he had worked with, let alone the, you know, everything that happened with the George Floyd case. 
um, you know, just showed you how much he really did value his time here in Minnesota. And I think it was just a great letter. And like you said, if you haven't seen it, please go read that article. It's oh, really, yeah. really great. It's a really good, well-written, really kind of pulls at your heartstrings. And um, I know it's someone that will truly be missed for for multiple reasons, not just his play on the field, but his work in the community. And he spoke a lot about that at length in the letter as well. But really excited to see their kid and to see how that happens. I love how they're active on social media. I truly enjoy watching that. Yeah. It really, really makes me happy. So it, It's funny, too, because as a kid, you know, being a Minnesota North Stars fan, uh, growing up here and then playing hockey and stuff as a kid for fun, I actually had his father-in-law's hockey stick <laughs> That's so funny. as a kid. Um, yeah. My uncle got a hold of one, and, and he gave my brothers and I a couple sticks from some of the North Star players, and the one that I had was Russ Cortnell, and that was Allie's father. So it was kind of a weird full circle, full huh? circle thing of all of a sudden it's a Cortnell. I'm like, wait a minute, and I realized, yeah. It's, it was Eric's father-in-law that I had his hockey Dang. stick as a kid. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, switching from cold weather to a, a warm weather situation got going on, owners meetings. And I know a lot of people I feel like may not have really known too much about owners meetings until now. I think they're, I think we talked about this last year, actually, on the podcast, how people are starting to cover these things as like media events yeah. and play-by-play of all of the rule changes and the propositions and things like that. And and obviously those wrapped up on Tuesday in Phoenix, Arizona, several rule change discussions. You know, there, there are definitely some highlights as far as the rule change, changes go, but was there one, Jay, for you that kind of stuck out as like a either a head scratcher or you're really stoked about? Um, there's the ones that have already been covered with, you know, being able to have zero as yeah. a number and stuff like that. And there's all the the requirements that go with that about players having to buy out jerseys if they really decide to change it, et cetera, et cetera. But there was one that kind of jumped out to me, and it was something that was a little bit interesting, which was the when they go through at the end of preseason, normally there's the cuts from 90 to 75 and then down to 53 eventually. And they've proposed at this point to just do one mass cut yeah. and keep all the players through all of preseason until the very end which means you're going to be basically seeing all of the teams simultaneously cutting from essentially 90 players down to 53. And that to me seems crazy. Because, Wild market. Because in the past, similar to free agency, the whole idea like what happened to Eric Hendricks and Adam Thielen, you let those guys go early so they can try to be you know picked up by another team and put on another roster. But to me, looking at it this way, some of those veterans, unless teams decide to do that early, just as a, a courtesy, all of a sudden now you're going to have the veterans mixed in with the rookies, mixed in with the free agents, all of the teams mass culling, you know, 37 players per roster times 32. It's just going to be an insane cutoff date there when they do yeah. those drops. And then the following week and a half before week one of the season, you're just going to be seeing a ton of transactions. So I am curious to see how that's going to play yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you're like a veteran who has been playing and, you know, you're trying to prove that you deserve like, a you know, you're a starting role, your one-year deal or whatever, if you're trying to come back. And you get cut. You yeah. you don't get to spend any of that time with your new team, but you could potentially start for a new team during the season. Yeah, like there's so many players I think that you pick up mid camp that not so many, but there's those off chances that you pick them up mid camp and then they become a better part of the offense. They learn faster. It's not like a, a very like snap, uh, like t- quick turnaround from like oh hey you're on the roster on Tuesday and we have a game in a week and a half. Well, that and and also the idea then there have been some other rule changes that happened in the whole idea of contracts being guaranteed if you're on the roster week one. Teams have held off on making some of those transactions till week two in order to better negotiate with some of these guys that had larger contracts. So again, like how all that plays out, it just shows you 
how much the front office now has to pay attention to it. Brzezinski and all of the normal people that have to do yeah. all the scouting and everything else, they're going to be doing, they're going to have to be doing a lot of advanced work instead of it being incremental. It's just going to be kind of a giant deluge of, of, of player availability. So it's going to be really crazy to see what happens between the end of training camp yeah. and then basically weeks two, three, and four through the season. Now it is of note, and it has been reported that the Vikings are one of the teams who are proposing this. And so it's something that they, this coaching staff clearly is in favor of. So it'd be interesting maybe in the next couple of weeks if we ever get to sit down with them again, maybe we can ask and we'll yeah. come back here and, and be able to tell you a little bit more inside and in depth of what where their minds are at. Um, one other thing I think that's become quite the hot button issue lately uh, is, is this idea during Roger Cattell's press conference that they are now, the NFL is now open to adding two Thursday night games on a team schedule. Yeah, that would be that that's something that I think a lot of the public and, and people, I know the players and, and some other people have already, some have already spoken out saying that they were not in favor of that idea. But you know, the idea is essentially if you think about last season, there were some people complaining that the the matchups and stuff for Thursday night that uh, Amazon had on Amazon Prime weren't the the best to watch or or weren't as they good as it kind of been. being duds, and honestly, so, even if you had good teams. Exactly. And that was the thing. But but it's hard because you can sit there and go through. They can try and make up all the matchups that they want and try to predict the future. And you just don't know because year to year, the turnovers that happen on teams of, of being going from good to mediocre or good to not good. Um, all of that kind of stuff is something that's just kind of a variable you can't fully control. So for them, but they're talking about flexing. That's the thing. So that's so, that's what's madness and, right there. And the thing about it is that in the past, the idea has been they haven't liked to move it from day to day, a right. game from a Saturday to a Sunday or a Sunday to a Monday, because fans and everybody go through and they buy plane tickets, yeah. they buy hotels, and what are they, you do, they do all that. So that's the thing that's going to be really kind of interesting to see is how do they handle that? And and I think. There's going to be, you know, I guess for all of the good side of it of trying to find matchups that the fans are going to want to watch on a Thursday night, you know, some of the headaches that are going to come with that, that's all stuff that they've had to have talked about. And I am curious to see how they're going to be able to handle that league-wide, um, you know, and especially team to team. I'm curious what the the time duration is between finding out you're going to play Thursday sure. and when it actually happens. It doesn't matter, though. I mean, like, think about if you have a plane flight, you're not... I mean, I don't know how uptight people are about that. I'm pretty uptight. I don't really want to have to change my flight five days before. Yeah, you know. But I'm just saying, even from a team perspective, how how far out are they going to know that? Because if they're potentially going to get flexed on a Thursday, it's not. I I would assume it wouldn't be like a week out. Hey, next sure. Thursday you're switching. You know, think about how much we we this off se- or this past season, how much we built in kind of the idea of all right. Well, we had the London game early, you know, uh, and then we basically had a Thursday game and then we had the bye week and all these things that they were trying to plan out to figure out like, yeah. how can we get guys extra rest and all of that? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to get a random Thursday thrown in there, which is going to be tough on the front end. But then on the back end, you get you're those extra couple of days again. And, so yeah. all, all the logistics for all the that's teams true. in the league and everybody else, it's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to see how it actually you know gets pulled off here this year, uh, given that change. But that is going to be a big deal. You know, a lot of the league's money is in TV rights and yeah. TV deals. And I think that's where it really stir, stems from, right? Like For sure. Amazon Prime is like, okay, come on. we These matchups is not what we signed up for. And so if that's what we're all going to, if that's where this league is steering itself towards streaming 
services, then they want to make sure the best matchups are on there. Well, that and but you can also make the same argument for Monday night, you know, similar kind of a thing where it's just like, I know at the back end of the season, it's usually the flexing is a little bit easier to handle. Again, I'm, I'm, I am more curious to see what the details are surrounding the ability. I think the whole thing before was every team will play one Thursday night game or, you know, something along those lines. It's given them the flexibility now to say teams can play up to two Thursday night games as far as I was reading. Yeah. And I am going to be curious, again, just to see logistically how all of that happens because of all of the other, you know, basically domino effects that come from it. Yeah, it clearly did not win the vote yet. Um, there were several owners that voted for it. It's tabled until May, and so it will be interesting to hear more discussions about that and understand what people want. I mean, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think now that it's more of a reality, then yeah. the teams themselves will have to have more of a legit, serious discussion amongst themselves and amongst the league, let alone just kind of seeing what the public's reaction is to it. NFLPA always has a say in, in a lot of these kind of things, and I think this is something they will definitely voice their opinion on. So, again, it's going to be really interesting to see just what the dominoes are in this and, and how it all comes together. Well, if you've listened to this and you want to know more about all the rule changes, you can go to Vikings.com. Craig Peters wrote a nice little rundown of some of the more hot-button issues, more rules in depth that are probably a little too boring to sit here and talk to you about, easier to read about. And you can go check that at Vikings.com. Also on Vikings.com, Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell spoke to the media, spoke to Gabe, Mark Wolf. All of those interviews are on there. Um, I just suggest you go check it out if you need to get to know the front office and what they've been up to at the at the, at the meetings. I thought it was really good, you know, just kind of getting everyone's take. You know, uh, he asked uh, President Mark Wolf about their feeling of all of the accolades and everything they've yeah. been getting about, you know, just the facility and how things are treated here. And you can just see that the source of pride there from Mark. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people take a lot of pride in this building um, regarding. And, and so it's cool to see that happen. So to get Mark's take on that was nice. And then, you know, Quasi and Kevin, just listening through all of the questions that they had, you could definitely tell they're at the, you know, we've got our feet underneath us after the first year. Now we're getting into season two. And just to have them feel like we have this game plan, we know what we're in for. And now it's it's go time and execution time for finishing this stuff up before the draft is here in less than a month. I know. That's just crazy sauce. Yeah. Just crazy. Um, before we start getting into that part, though, I loved that Kevin O'Connell was very aware of the fact that Kirk Cousins has not had the same play caller in since 2015, I think, yeah. when he was with Sean Mc, McVay. McVay. So I think like just seeing his excitement for the ability to have Kirk, a play caller, for two straight seasons for the second time in his entire NFL career is just, again, crazy sauce. And so, yeah, I think uh, that had me pretty pretty pumped. You could see that like that was all part of the plan with the extension and with all all of the offseason plans. Like that was obviously a high priority for him. Yeah, and I think going into this this next season for him, there's a lot of motivation and so the idea with Kevin to have that consistency to see what he did last year under Kevin O'Connell's offense. It'll be great to see this upcoming season, you know, kind of what that next step is because for all of the the accolades that Justin Jefferson got, you know, there was a guy throwing him the ball in order to get mm -hmm. there too. And so for a guy like Kirk, he's he's definitely always has kind of that prove it mentality. And I think it'll be great to see him and Kevin O'Connell be able to work together in this next season. For sure. And maybe getting a new weapon. I don't know. Question mark, question mark. <laughs> Bucky Brooks at the NFL Network just came out with his latest mock draft 3.0. 
and things are changing. The the winds of change are around all the Vikings pick predictions. There have been several mock drafts, including Bucky's, that have now trended toward the wide receivers in this class. It's also a it's, I wouldn't say it's a super deep wide receiver draft, but I do think because of all of the needs of the teams ahead of the Vikings, they do have enough talent towards the end of the draft. And right now, Bucky has the Vikings selecting wide receiver Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Yeah, he was a really good senior out of Boston College, originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Five foot nine, one eighty two. He's a guy that was a playmaker, um, really kind of speedy and shifty in certain areas. And then he was also a guy that had you know other things that have pushed him down the, the the list here a little bit. When you look at the uh, next-gen stats breakdown for him on NFL.com, they had him listed at least combine-wise as the eighth-ranked for his total score. But he is a guy that was a playmaker and a big-time player at Boston College. So he is somebody that I'm I'm really curious about. You're looking at um, a situation here where Adam Thielen formally signs now, so now people are definitely picking up on the, the wide receiver piece a little bit more. But I think Zay is going to be a guy that um, when he does get to a roster, I guess the experts are saying he might need a season or two to kind of get up to speed. But I think his natural skill set is going to be something that's enticing. So the fact that he is already on Bucky's list here being listed as a first-round draft pick, I think is interesting to see kind of where he does fall if he's going to be a first- or second-round pick. Yeah, you got to think Keenan McCardell, Justin Jefferson, those kind of guys that are around someone who's new and younger, teaching him the right way to do go about his business. There's so much veteran presence on there in the tight end room, quarterback, offensive line. Like That's a great situation for someone like a Zay Flowers to walk into. And the guys I talked to last week on Pro Football Focus, uh, Trevor Sykema, He's a draft analyst for uh, for them, and he was talking about Jordan Addison as someone he thinks will fall to the Vikings at pick 23. That's the receiver out of USC, mm-hmm. a great route runner, yeah. which is obviously would be great, very complimentary to Justin Jefferson. So that interview is on Vikings.com as well. But yeah, it's pretty interesting how things have changed so fast from, okay, you get a guy like Byron Murphy in there. You have young talent at corner. It's a deep corner draft. Like, do you just go for it and go for the receiver at a, at a pick 23? I think the thing that's interesting for me as well well is the idea that everyone's been saying now that Adam's gone, what happens at the wide receiver two position? You've got a KJ Osborne who has definitely proven his worth. You're talking about re-signing TJ Hawkinson if that happens. Those are two major weapons for this this receiver group. So you don't necessarily have to take as high of a draft pick at that position to replace an Adam Thielen. At the same point, there's still free agent guys out there. There's just there's a lot of options yet. So I am curious, but if they look at a guy like Zay Flowers, could step into that Adam Thielen style role where it's the shifty route running and, and mm-hmm. kind of that quick twitch wide receiver talent there, then a guy like Zay could possibly just slide right back into this offense and fit that way and maybe make a big jump early just given his talents. But the nice thing, at least on our end, is we do have veterans in that room who could definitely help a rookie come along and, and jump in. So I am curious to see, as we talked last week, every week it's going to change position to position, yeah. person to person. So to have Zay Flowers or Addison, you know, out of USC, those two guys are definitely some really fun talent at wide receiver. So it would be exciting to see guys like that get a shot here. We are only weeks away from the 2023 NFL draft. And uh, our counterpart, who's usually in on these podcasts, Gabe Henderson, I'm sure he would be stoked to see a wide receiver get chosen. He was in Arizona this past few days 
doing all of the interviews, representing us over at the owners meetings. And he has our guest of the podcast this week. It's NBC Sports's Michael Smith. And we'll send it down to Gabe. All right. We now have the special privilege of being joined by Michael Smith, uh, currently at NBC Sports, uh, has his own show called Brother from Another. I mean, if you're like myself, you grew up watching Michael Smith from ESPN. Just to uh, see him get to where this, where, where, where he is now is an honor and an inspiration. But more importantly, I think this is an opportunity to not only talk, you know, sports and life, but also a, an opportunity just to talk about, you know, how you got to this point. We were, uh, we just broke bread earlier here at the uh, owners meetings here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We broke bacon. Broke bacon. We waited for that bacon and it run out. We both got the bacon, and it was worth the wait. If it wasn't for you getting the bacon first, I probably wouldn't have beelined. <laughs> so the, the fact that we're here, man, it's been, you know, Kevin O'Connell was just sitting in the seat yeah. that you were just sitting in. And, yeah. Um, from now, I mean, 2023 to when you first started, 2001, how have these owners' meetings changed? Well, I mean, Kevin O'Connell is a great example. Um, I remember when Kevin O'Connell was drafted. Wow. And, and, and so just looking around at who's occupying these tables is obviously – been a lot of turnover. I mean, you have some of your mainstays, you know, you have your Pete Carroll, you have your Andy Reid, but just thinking of how many have come and gone and what the shelf life is, even for the guys that are in this room. There's a lot of guys in this room who may seem like they have staying power now, but life's going to come at them fast the same way it comes at everybody else, same way it comes for all of us. So, you know, it's good to see a lot of familiar faces, both in terms of on the league level, executive level, you know, media level even, but also realizing like, wow, there's so many people are no longer with us either professionally or just, you know, in general, unfortunately. So it's my first one of these in about a decade, though. Wow. Yeah, I think the I think the last one I, I came to would have been 08, because uh, I think the 09, or maybe 09, because I think the 09 draft was the last one I really worked okay. from a quote-unquote insider position. After that, I really transitioned full-time into being a studio host mm-hmm. and commentator and whatnot. So this has been my first season. This is really the culmination, I'd say, of my first season back in this NFL world and it's been it's been nice to reconnect. I mean you you cover all sports and pretty much everything when it comes to just players on and off the field. Mm-hmm. I think I, we were, I was just telling you this before like you were kind of the pioneer for this is who these guys are. This is what they're into outside of sports and now that's what internal like for me that worked for the, that works for the team. This is what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. like who are these guys? What what kind of access can we get? Yeah. And just seeing how all that has transpired over time. What was the motivation behind? Like okay, let's let's see this full person mm. which ultimately makes I guess in this case who this Minnesota Vikings player will be. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would say, you know, I always felt like to a certain degree I had some built-in advantages. Mm-hmm. And so how best to utilize them. So, I mean, I was I started in this business very young. Young black dude walking in a locker room full of young black dudes. Mm. So there was an instant rapport or relatability for the most part. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't best friends with everybody just right. got walked in the room, but there was a relatability. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, they're looking at me, they're like, oh, wow, here's somebody that looks like me that right. has a shared level of experience. So I think there was that connection. There was that understanding of, you know, what they were dealing with or what they had to deal with in order to get to this point. So there's that part. But also, I've just been. I guess a lot of it comes from the fact that, like, I cover sports mm-hmm. and I love sports, but I love a lot of other things as well. Like, so sports doesn't dominate my existence. You know, I'm a fan, but not a fanatic. And so I think realizing that these players, especially in conversation with them, you know, were fathers, were husbands, were active in their communities, um, had other passions, creative passions even outside of sports. I've just been fascinated about, 
you know, what makes that whole person go? What's their process? What's their philosophy? What's their passions? You know, what's their purpose? Because that does contribute yeah. to their performance, all of those things. Um, so I think just a, gen a genuine and general curiosity about who they were um, and what made them tick, but also being able to relate to them as much as one can relate to, you know, super athletes, being able to relate to them on a, on a, on a foundational level, I think helped um, kind of shape how I approached the job. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I'm walking in and I'm one of the youngest people, if not the youngest person in the room in terms of media. Mm -hmm. And I'm behind the eight ball when it comes to experience and mm -hmm. connections. It's like, so, okay, what works for me? What works for me is like zigging when they zag, mm -hmm. you know, and telling different types of stories than, than other people are doing or approaching it differently. But the other thing too is just like, I got better, best advice I ever got, and this was really in regards to television, was just get better at being yourself. Yeah. So I just got better at being me and so in any interaction or any story that I told, I brought myself into it. Yeah. That's different from making it about yourself, but I brought myself and my sensibilities into that conversation, into that, you know, that feature, into that interview. Yeah. And that kind of drew some things out of them. And I feel like that's what the media is somewhat now is trying to get those stories out about who the player is versus mm -hmm. what he does, because mm -hmm. you understand that on Sundays, he's got to suit up. He has the opportunity to, you know, provide for his family. But yeah. like, this is why we're here. This is why we get paid. Yeah. So listening to Kevin O'Connell today and seeing the conversations that he was having regarding, you know, his philosophy, what were some some key takeaways that, that you took from, you know, just him talking about, you know, being a young guy, this is kind of what helped me get to this point. And this yeah. is what I do now to kind of reassure myself. I've known Kevin for a long time, but okay. I wouldn't go so far as to say like I know him. Like, you know, so I don't want to overstate, but in terms of my impressions of him, he seems like a guy who, despite his skills, despite his brilliance, despite his, his own ability, is secure enough to know what he doesn't know mm -hmm. and curious enough to want to learn. And I, th I think the Brian Flores hire is a prime example of that. It's like I'm talking about, oh, what could I learn from Flo in terms of schedule, in terms of practice, in terms of approach? Just like, I mean, he could he could feel like, especially the year he had, he could feel like, yeah, I got it all figured out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm the new hotness. Instead, he's trying to figure out ways to be better and ways to, lo to learn and grow himself. And when, you, and when you approach coaching that way, you know who sees that as players. Right. So it's easy to talk to a player about, getting better and improving and, and strengthening weaknesses if you're doing the same thing as a coach. Yeah. So that's just this culture that they seem to have of, of curiosity. I, I, would, I would put Quasi in that same conversation. Again, my impressions. I don't want to overstate my knowledge of them, but just two guys who are just impressive insofar as they're not impressed with themselves. Yeah. That's, that's, what I, that's what I take from them. What's their perception of just Quasi and Kevin, two younger guys that understand the locker room, but still had to get the trust from ownership to be able to put these, you know, younger guys versus, you know, back when you first started, mo usually most of the coaches were, you know, older, you yeah. know, more seasoned, have yeah. been from, you know, other colleges or other yeah. NFL teams. H how do you view the perception that owners have for these young guys leading their teams? I think the term players coach used to be uh, conveniently used depending on the results as either a compliment in certain contexts or as an insult, or as a reason to change. Always oh, a player's coach, which the connotation there was often that it was loose, undisciplined, inmate trying to be a silent, however you want to yeah. phrase it, right? Whereas I think the modern player, the modern game, 
modern society, I think, has taught us that like players coach is very much redundant. Like if you can't relate to your players on a human level as a coach, whether you're older than them or younger than them in some cases or same age, if you can't have some kind of personal connection with them, you're going to have a hard time getting them to trust you and play for you. And players nowadays have so many options and have such agency over their careers until the days of I'm the boss, do as I say. Right. You know, or the days of living in fear of your coach or, or, play, or performing in fear of your coach. That day is dead. We don't roll like that no more. You know, now there's very much, there needs to be some kind of partnership. You know, there used to be um, a time when the quarterback was the extension of the coach. I don't think it's limited to the quarterback now. I think yeah. you have a lot of different players on both sides of the ball, regardless of the coach's background, that, you know, a, a successful coach needs to enlist to be force multipliers, to be extensions of him, to, you know, I mean, player councils. And, and I, I'm not saying all that's brand new, but I'm just saying, like, you know, these coaches seems to have to have evolved to become much more holistic in their approach yeah. than I think traditionally they were when it was just like, hey, it's football all the time. I'm just a hardcore football guy. And, you know, you run through that wall for me and I'm going to give a speech every now and then. But, you know, uh, ultimately I'm the boss and your future is in my hands. Like, yeah. Nah, man, these, these players nowadays, they're not going for that, you know? What do you make um, the quarterback position mm -hmm. in its entirety? For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Been in the league for a while. Just signed. Last year, signed a two-year deal. Yeah. Usually Kirk, as far as if you look at his history, he's always either been on franchise tags yeah. or he's got extended. Yeah. The Vikings basically said, hey, you have to prove it this year. This is a prove-it year for you. We're not extending you. Yeah, we convert your money to a signing bonus. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, fans are like, okay, well, that means we're going younger. So for you, just a quarterback as a whole, yeah. how do you view a veteran quarterback that's been tested, that's accurate, you know, can win you games versus yeah. a young guy that you, I'm not going to say blow it up, but you, yeah. you have to figure out the pieces around him. I think, I think the Vikings are in such a privileged position. And I know the Vikings history at quarterback would say otherwise, but mm -hmm. I think they have an opportunity to do it like Green Bay has done it and is about to do it. And by that, I mean, well, first and foremost, you got to know your personnel and in this case, know your quarterback mm -hmm. that he can handle that. And you're mm -hmm. talking about a guy who we know how he came into the league in, in D.C. We know how what happened when he assumed the job in D.C. We yep. know how he played on the franchise. He, he's like proving it year to year yeah. is nothing new to Kirk Cousins, right. right? I mean, if anything, it might bring out the best in him. So, which is a good thing for us. Right. So, yeah. you know, he can handle that. Right. So, that's you don't have to worry about is, is, is he going to respond poorly? But the other part of it is it's like, you know, you don't want to have to. It's like when I shop. All right. I hate shopping. And I know a lot of people can relate to this when I need to buy something. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, yo, you got this party you got to go to. Well, damn, I got to go to the mall and I got to find an outfit for this party. Right. It's like I can't find anything I like, let alone that fits mm -hmm. because the pressure is on to have to get something for Saturday. Yep. Whereas it's like, if I'm just, oh, I'm going to just go walk around the mall. I see everything I like. And I, and what I, I just buy it. If mm -hmm. I see a tie, like, I don't care if it matches anything. I don't care if it, it I'm it's just nice. going to buy it yeah. and just, it'll, it'll we'll figure it out. Eventually, yeah. I don't need it. I'm really that way with sneakers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need them, but I'm just going to buy them. <laughs> right? To my wife's chagrin. <laughs> Likewise, like with a quarterback, it's like, okay, you have a quarterback. He's not done. He's not mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. He can still play at a high level. He just doesn't have a long-term contract. That business part will take care of itself, but he can still play. This is a perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity to be bringing in a quarterback. I don't know, maybe a quarterback who's coming off an ACL tear, for example, you know, maybe a quarterback who 
you know, it's a little old, so therefore, by, by, by rookie quarterback standards, so therefore may drop in the first round. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Get that kind of guy, bring him in, hang out a play right away. That's the way it should be done. Because the odds of you getting a guy that's going to be to step in and play right away and play well and play well enough, soon enough and long enough for everybody to keep their jobs, that's slim. It doesn't happen that much. So, you know, the Joe Burrows is like, think about where the Bengals were before Joe, Joe Burrow yeah. got there. They were this close to like not being employed, right. you know, but they had <laughs> a number true. one pick. They got Joe Burrow and the rest is now history and, and they're all, you know, right. They, rah, rah. They, the window is their career. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, now it's the thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think if you're the Vikings, I think you got to look at, you know, the presence of Kirk as a blessing and as an opportunity to start to develop a succession plan. Succession oh. just came out. I haven't watched the first episode of the fourth <laughs> season yet. I got it downloaded on my phone. I watched it on a plane ride home. But yeah. you need a succession plan because if, if, if you got to get one when you don't have one. Right. It's like, now you're desperate. Yeah. You know? Now, but on the flip side, I, you know, and you know, asked me about this, I do like what Carolina's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think another part of having a successful quarterback, too much has been placed on a quarterback to be both the thermostat and a thermometer. Right. And, you know, and, and to set the tone. That's and, real. You know, and, and to be the guy that changes a franchise. It's like, not every quarterback is capable of coming in and changing a franchise. But even if they are, it's like, look, man, the greatest quarterback of all time, let's not kid ourselves also benefited from the infrastructure that he was fortunate enough to be right. in. Now, he had a big part of that infrastructure. He right. was a big part of it. But it's like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, man, like he was, Green Bay, for all the complaining that he did, they got a certain way that's worked for a long time. Pittsburgh got a certain way that's worked for a long time. So if you are in Minnesota, the circumstances, the infrastructure from a management, coach, staff, organizational, facility, personnel standpoint it's all there carolina they, carolina's been searching for a quarterback for years you know what they said this year we're not just going to go find a quarterback we're going to develop a quarterback incubator right we're gonna we're gonna go get the best stat we spare no expense on the staff spare no expense on players to, whatever quarterback we get is gonna be set up to succeed and minnesota ha- my point is that minnesota has that for the next guy as well. I feel like San Fran, that, that's kind of like the San, San Francisco, Francisco model yes. too. And yes. you see all those, I mean, Quasi Dofomensa took a picture with like Mike McDaniels. Literally, yep. it was like eight guys yeah. that are either head coaches or GMs from from other teams. Yeah. And to your point, they've kind of set the team up around, the mm-hmm. around you know, the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And then the quarterback, they just put him in and he was able to succeed. Yep. So that's a really good point. My last question for you yeah. is, uh, you talked about Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be in a different color green this year. Yeah. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they're trending upward, getting free agents. Yeah. Um, last year, kind of, you know, the, the darling of the NFL with yeah. HBO Hard Knocks. Yeah. Then you got the Bears, the the most cap space in the NFL. Yeah. Young quarterback. Yeah. A guy that they're, you know, building their entire team around. Mm-hmm. They get some, some good picks. Mm-hmm. For the Vikings, what are realistic expectations? Understanding that you pretty much got the, a similar team plus some younger guys. That won 13 games last year. And given the way they won a lot of those 13 games. And this, but see, this, what I'm about to say, what would not be a, a reflection in any way of KO or Crazy or, you know, the direction of the organization. It just bees like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where, hey, Justin Jefferson didn't make an all time great catch on fourth down yeah. this year. <laughs> the way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, because it would not surprise me if the Vikings finish. Third, yeah. I, I, if they finish last, if they finishing last, I don't. I don't think they were about. To last. And the reason I say that is because that would mean that the Bears took a huge leap. Yeah. The Packers sustained it, and the Lions took the next step. Right. 
Like that's a, that's a lot. To, that's a, so yeah, yeah. I think, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for all three of those teams to be right. better than Minnesota. But I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if Jordan Love and I know, you know, uh, Matt Lafleur was, you know, trying to manage expectations about him stepping in and just being great right away. It wouldn't surprise me if Jordan Love was was more than functional and capable, and they played differently around Jordan Love, and and supplemented and complemented and augmented his skill set to where Green Bay was right in the playoff mix. I yeah. do expect Detroit to take a step forward, but then again, I mean, we you know, we know the, the lines are going to line. Well, but not just that. You know, sometimes like the team that everybody, you know, put there's a lot of hype around, they don't yeah. live up to it for right. one reason or another. Same thing I'm saying about Minnesota. And I think Chicago's on the right track, but for them to go from having earned the number 1 overall pick mm-hmm. to the playoffs would be quite the leap. But I say all that to say I could easily see this being as, if not the most competitive division in the NFC, if not the league, mm. just given the trajectory of two of these teams, the fact that Minnesota's in a good spot, and the fact that Green Bay has a history of being able to pass the baton to the next guy. And, and you know, Jordan Law has been waiting a long time to play, and I think he'll be the real deal when he gets his opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I, realistic expectations for the Vikings is, you know, playoff contention yeah i think it's realistic to expect a division title but i would just my caveat would be if they miss the playoffs i think it'll just speak to the nature of this league mm-hmm. which is just like it's not built for you to make it every year yeah if the nfl could have it their way every team would be eight nine or nine and eight That's exactly right and 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 vikings are a few plays away from being that last year right you know mike appreciate you man thank you man appreciate Look, the time. looking forward to uh, seeing you on amazon every thursday night this year and, yes sir uh, Continue to kill it. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks, Gabe. And thanks to NBC Sports' Michael Smith for spending some time with us and being our guest on this week's Minnesota Vikings podcast. We'll have another exciting guest for you guys next week. Uh, There's a few of us from the Vikings Entertainment Network who are in tow to Los Angeles to go to the NFL Network. And we have a sick lineup. It's like there are so many people that we're talking to, picking all the brains of, getting you some Vikings content from the NFL Network. And so I'm not sure who the guest is yet. So it will be a surprise, but it's going to be a good one. That's the thing is going to NFL Network, (laughs) there's just a whole host of people that you can choose from. So whoever you can snag, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be great for you to, you know, get back out there and kind of, you know, talk with some of those different people and, and get a hold of um, just some of the producers and people to, yeah. to talk with I mean, how there. do you, yeah, I'm a TV nerd at heart. I love looking at sets and control rooms and watching people produce shows. It's an absolute joy. But uh, I do love being warm. Really excited about that. Say, I would yeah. never turn down a trip to LA this time of year. So that was something that was very important as well. That was the thing. I was going to make the comment of, and the weather is probably going to be something you're yeah. looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I well. have been back home and out to South Carolina in the last four, four, three weeks or something. So I've been pretty warm. But it's yeah, been nice. Yeah, this uh, sub sub warm weather that we're having at this yeah. point is just ridiculous. So ridiculous. Get the warm weather however you can. But you know what is a good thing? The NFL draft party that the Vikings are throwing this year is indoors. It's going to be hot. Doesn't have to be anything. It's just going to be nice. They're bringing the Vikings watch party back to U.S. Bank Stadium on Thursday, April 27th at 6 p.m. All the info was just released last week. It's going to be some, some really exciting things going on. There'll be KFAN will be broadcasting live from there for the radio side of things. You watch the draft on the NFL Network on the boards. The Minnesota Vikings garage sale will be there with limited memorabilia and items. There'll be a couple of players there. Locker room tours. Apparently there's going to be blackjack, which appeals to a lot of people. 
Yeah, Mystic Lake is a great sponsor, <laughs> and it sounds like they're going to be having some fun with that. So I'm sure there's going to be yeah. prizes associated with that. So there's just a yes. lot of options. DJ, cheerleader, skull line. I mean, it is a party after all. So It's always a ton of fun. I've always yeah. loved draft party. I think it's just a really fun kickoff for the fans to be able to do that. I know that's going to be a little bit different than previous years this year. So definitely check out the website and make sure you get the appropriate tickets for what you're going to need for the areas you want to get into. There you go. Vikings.com for your tickets to the Vikings watch party for the NFL draft. I cannot believe it is already that time of year. Absolutely. Season just got done, right? It's April almost, right? It's so crazy. So crazy. So uh, for now on the Vikings podcast, I think we're all wrapped up, but uh, be sure to check out all the things that we promote. Obviously, this is a really great platform for us to be able to tell you what we're up to. So that if you're driving, you can get home and, you know, log on or look at your phone elsewhere. Don't do that while you're driving. Absolutely not. (laughs) All right, Jay. Well, have a nice weekend. You too. We'll talk to you guys next week from L.A. Some of us from L.A. Mm -hmm.